for my top chicks and we will eat on eat on the weekly Welcome to Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071. I'm Stephanie March. I'm here with Miss Elizabeth Reese today. Good morning, my friends. Happy Saturday. Ooh. Thanks for having me, Steph. It is, I mean, let's just start it out with the weather report because it is a stunner of a Saturday out there. It's just fall in its finest. All it's, of its fall glory is today. It's, it's crisp, fall official. It's cool. It's legit. Yeah, it's a really great day. It's harvest is on. <laughs> this is like the time to start braising some meat. Yes. To start get. I mean, get out your stock pot mm-hmm. as you're listening to mm-hmm, this find mm-hmm. your stock pot put it on your stove and just, just start going just start start going it feels good and guess who has a stove that works for the first time you in five tell. months I, know, I was thinking about you last night because i was like well this is the day it kind of is we had a near crisis if you've been listening um to the weekly dish or maybe following me on instagram mm-hmm. i've been posting about my kitchen remodel the kitchen remodel that never ends mm-hmm. um that has been going on we demoed may 6th Stephanie March. Right. And the week before that, I was in Norway. So I haven't cooked in five months on like in an actual kitchen. I've been using my porch kitchen. And we had a near disaster with a flooring mishap that almost that almost put it all. I was supposed to be able to move into the kitchen like it was supposed to be all set to go last night. Now it's today. Okay. And they've got um they've got a lovely woman who's coming over t- who she like specializes in post construction dust. So oh, she's God. coming to clean this morning while I'm here. And then um I will spend the entire rest of the afternoon moving in. And my contractor sent me a photo the other day of my or yesterday of my uh stove with gas flames ah! flickering. Yes. And yes. I was like, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're almost there. So, I mean, to have like this perfect fall day on the first day that I'm going to get to cook is so exciting. And you know, my daughter, Bernadette, who's four and a half, her favorite food in the world is spaghetti carbonara. Oh, she loves carbonara right, more right. than anything. And we haven't had carbonara since before our remodel started. And so she kept saying, mama, when can we have carbonara? I said, the first day the kitchen is open for business. So tonight we are tonight hitting carbonara. carbonara. Carbonara night for little Bernadette. Oh my goodness. So do you, I mean like, <laughs> are you are, are you going to feel like you know where everything goes? Or is this like a date you're going to take your time to make it happen? Or do you need to get it done? So I have some help. My mom is over. My mom is with the kids right now. My husband happens to be um, gone for the day. So my mom is over, which is actually better because then I get to put everything where I want it to this go. This is the question. <laughs> this is the question. Because like when people try to help, it always, always like, no, that doesn't go there. And well, then you're like, oh. Well, my mom is really good at organization and she's an interior designer. So she'll probably, functionality. she's really going to focus on like the aesthetic like how are things gonna look where should we put the glassware and i and you know we designed the kitchen Mm -hmm. this is the joy of when you do a grown-up kitchen i mean and folks just fyi this is the only kitchen i've ever done i pray to the lord and heaven above that this is the only one that i will ever do right because this bad boy i'm dying in this house and i want the people who buy this house from my dead body to go Boy, that kitchen is real dated. Whoa, yeah, like wow. Like, I can't wow, believe people did that. That kitchen back then. was so 2019. Yeah. And oh my gosh. And I'm just gonna go, great. Yep. From heaven, I'll, I'll be, be like, you mow it down yourself then, just like That's I right. had to do. Yeah. Oh my god. Because <laughs> my kitchen was sh- like 
total 80. It was 1980. So, I mean, it was 40 years ago that Mm -hmm. my kitchen was done. And so to get to renovate it, that's what I'm hoping that it, um, that that's how long it lasts. So, uh, and then my aunt is going to come over. My aunt is an amazing artist and she's in town, um, painting for some clients up here. She lives in Fort Worth. And so she's going to come over later this evening too. And she's a super cook. So they're this all going to help me put it all together. Yeah. But it's, um, this is the fun part. This is when it gets exciting. And it's been, it's been a long haul. It's, it's been five months, <sighs> which is too long, <laughs> too long, too long. Yeah, but, but I mean, like, beautiful. it's hard to even be like, because when we were doing ours, you know, in our old house, it was sort of like I would walk through it and then try to imagine like, OK, if I'm at the sink, you know, like at the yeah. end of the day when it was still construction and everything else and being like, OK, if I'm at the sink here, where where do I want this, the, you know, the knives and the forks and the spoons to be and yes. all this kind of stuff. And it doesn't matter because until you're actually living in it and you may change it a couple of times. I know. You know what I mean? Like you may be like, okay, this is where the pot lids go. Wait, no, that doesn't make any sense. Like after a week, you know, and you kind of just do that. It isn't, you know, it's helpful to work with an experienced kitchen designer. So I have a general contractor and then I have like an architectural designer and she came in to really help us figure out where things could go and how it would work in this house. And then she also was super involved in the cabinet construction. And so she was helping me utilize every single bit of space which was great and so a couple things though at the very beginning of this process I did a shout out on Instagram and just said hey if you've remodeled your kitchen what are the things that you're so happy about yeah and what are the things that you wish you would have done differently and there were a few things that really stood out to me is people said don't do as much as many lower cabinets as you can do that are drawers do it. Skip the cabinets through that you open the door when yep. it's on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Because when you open the door and it's on the bottom, what happens? It's just like stuff gets shoved in back there and you have to crouch down yeah. so low to reach in and get it. Yeah. So I really took that advice to heart oh, because it's not much more expensive to do drawers on the bottom than yeah. it is to do a cabinet. Right. So I have a lot of lower drawer space, which was great. Um, I really focused on in-cabinet lighting because I just wanted it to feel really bright mm-hmm. and happy. There's one cabinet set that I didn't do the in-cabinet lighting and I'm already regretting it. And wow. my mom was like, "We can, you can get it put you in. You can get it put in. You can get it put in. But I already was like, wow, because I, I did some of them and then these two, I thought, oh, we won't need that. There's a beautiful fixture there. And then already I feel like, oh, I wish that were lit up. Oh, funny. So that's an interesting thing. And then the other thing I think is to be really intentional about where you splurge and where you save and knowing what is important to you. Like I really splurged on the range and the fridge and you know that stuff because yeah. I'm a cook and yeah. I want to cook forever. Yeah. And I want a six burner gas stove that will like light the house on fire. I yeah. mean, I want it to go and I really wanted a tall counter depth fridge that was super efficient and industrial. And so I got those things, but then I got really inexpensive quartz countertops. Yeah. No, those are the workhorses. You want the machines. You want the ones that are, you know, the machines to be expensive. And then I think like for me, it would always be like, okay, well the faucet can be the faucet. You know what I mean? Like I'm not going to spend $700 on a faucet when I could, you know, do it for like a hundred and be great. I know I did do a really expensive pot filler over the range. (laughs) 
But side note, pop fillers are just expensive. That's just life what? with but a why, pop filler. I don't do know. Why do you want that? And I, I, I mean, I just sort of like, I've always wondered, like, what's the charm in having a pop? Is it so that you don't have to haul it from the sink Yeah, to so the... you don't have to haul okay. a big stock pot. And you don't have to set it down in the sink and get it out and have it be wet and the whole thing. So you can just set it down and go. Although my sister has flooded her stove by forgetting to turn off the pot filler. So you do have to do that. And that was kind of one thing that I sort of just did because I thought I should. I don't think you should do this with everything in life at all. But I was like, okay, I'm doing like this level of a kitchen. It's going to have a pot filler. It's just, it's having one. And it's probably just because like, you know, Sue and Bob down the street have a great kitchen and they have a pot filler. And so I'm just going to do it. And so, you know what? You're going to be a sucker and just like cave to peer pressure on a few things. This is, that was probably the biggest thing that was the biggest thing where you're like, well, I'm already spending X amount of dollars. <laughs> Who cares? Might as well. I mean, like, what's another couple hundred? Just you know? throw more in the and money you, pit. All of a sudden, your perspective is so skewed, and you're just like, well, and then you ended up with this, this, and this. When you're just hemorrhaging cash, which is what I have uh, definitely felt like since we purchased this house. But it feels really exciting. The house is, was built in 1916, yeah, and it feels like we're kind of just bringing it to its present day mm-hmm. glory. And um, and there was a lot of thought that went into how is this kitchen going to operate? And it's going to be the gathering place. I mean, we have a six-seat island. Yeah. I mean, I've never had this in my no, life. You've had a nice little sweet house that you guys were bursting at by the time you left. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I, you think about that. I know. And then we bought the big guy, and we have all this space, and um, and we really committed. We worked hard to really commit to staying in the city, which is what was important to us as far as commuting. And it all, it all funnily enough, this is why I love being on the show, because it all comes back to cooking. Yeah. The, honestly, you guys, the reason I live in the city of <laughs> Minneapolis and not like out on Because you some, were looking at farms. I love a six. I want, I want six to ten acres in Afton yeah. is my ideal life. We yeah. looked in Prior Lake. We looked in Lakeville. You guys, Afton, Lake you guys Elmo. came close a couple times. We had a purchase agreement signed yeah. on a cool old farmhouse in Afton that would have been so much cheaper than what I'm in now. But I, um, the, the whole reason we live where we live is because I love to cook. Yeah. It's really funny because, but that shows how important meals are to me that yeah. I want to be able to have dinner together in the evenings. And with the way that our lives are, my husband and my work schedules, if we were living 45 minutes out or 40 minutes out, it would be impossible. You would never, it would the entire, yeah, your evening would be sliced up. Yeah. And so for us, it was, it came down to what makes me feel the most connected to my family, connected to my home and connected to myself. And that is making sure that I am spending time being creative in the kitchen every day and making something every day and then serving it to my family. And so that is why we live where we live. Isn't that funny to think I made a house choice Uh because I love to cook stuff. I know. Is that my nuts? It's brilliant. It's brilliant. But it's like so many people... I think don't think about that. They don't think about their life. They think about their life. They don't think about their lifestyle and what they want to hold and what they want to enhance, what they value. And they they tend to look at houses and just think like, I just want bigger is better, or I, you know, like I want to scale up or I want to scale down or yeah. I want to. But they don't think about how is all of that gonna affect your day to day. Yeah, your day to day. What are the really important things that you value in your every day, and then you translate, you use those little yeah. moments that you value to then use that next extrapolate out what do you want in the big picture and so for us it was staying in the tiny house for a long time and really just like hustling to try to make sure that we could get what we wanted and then moving into something that needed a massive kitchen reno because that's what we could do that's what you do here we are so i'll be posting some pictures i'll post pictures of what i'm cooking so if you don't follow me on instagram it's at eliz reese it's r-i-e-s 
Um, I also posted yesterday a really fascinating adventure with a possum in my backyard. <laughs> so you can They're watch mean. that if you want. Watch out. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break. You guys, when we come back, we have a great show today. We are going to talk. Uh, we are going to talk about the Impossible Burger and the fake meat revolution that's yes. here. Can we're we g- talk about restoration hardware at some point? We can. We can. We can. And we're going to talk about soup because a lot of people want to talk about your tortilla soup. Oh, so am I going to give away a secret family recipe? You have to do it, apparently. <laughs> Um, we're also going to talk some spicy condiments because you have one that you love and people have been asking about the one that we talked about a couple weeks ago. So we're going to dig into some stuff you should have in your fridge and we're just going to have some good time. So stay tuned. This is the Weekly Dish and we're brought to you by El Burrito Mercado. Hey, welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us on this last Saturday in September. Wow. I know. We are rocking through this season. Here like we go. Crazy. We got football. We've got squash. We have sweaters. We have soup. We have all the good things. Yeah. We are, uh, if you're thinking about Joining me out at Keg and Case for Smokeout today. Yes. Too bad tickets are gone. No. <laughs> you can't come, but that's okay because you can come next year, probably. That's really fun, though. I know. This is a perfect day to be out and about and I to, totally to get agree. cooking. I totally agree. So, really yeah. Great. So, we're going to talk about meat, but non meat. So, I know I'm going to this giant meaty festival, right? I mean, we're talking about all these, like, I, there's going to be all this, like, smoky meat stuff. But I was thinking that the fact that the Impossible Burger is now. In grocery stores, yeah, this kind of gives us another thing to talk about because people are wondering about how and what what it exactly is. And I saw this article, or saw someone saying, "You guys, it's not healthy for you." And we're like, "Yeah, I don't know. Why did you? I, where did that notion come from? That just because it wasn't meat means it's healthier?" And there's a lot of things. There's, you know, and this gets to be a really complicated issue. So, I mean, if you're from PETA, you're going to have one certain perspective on why you're right. eating plant-based meats and then if you're a vegetarian if you have you can feel i mean not all meat is created equal it's a super complex issue so to say that like one thing is healthy versus not being healthy gets really tricky it does i think the bottom line is you know the goal here and the heart i believe is in the right place where it is about trying to figure out sustainable ways to feed the world and to give people options based on whatever makes them feel best on what they're eating because we're not all the same beings that feel great eating the same things right like i could eat dairy and feel great somebody else can feel horrendous right what a sad life that is i know (laughs) i know and this is and i think i think at the the base of it all it's it's about the environment it's about the amount of uh, resources that it takes to grow meat the fact that there's you know um that what do they say like some 60 percent of greenhouse gas emissions um come from farmland you know, and that that is an unsustainable thing that meat production in the land requires, uh, you know, cattle reaching 80 percent of deforestation in the Amazon. You know, these kind of things that like they're saying overall, they're basically saying science has talked about the fact that by 2040, 25 percent of meat will be vegan. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, many will argue that meat in and of itself isn't sustainable. The way that a lot of meat is raised isn't sustainable. Right. So when you talk about like regenerative farming and you talk about farms that include um, not only multiple types of livestock, but also multiple types of agricultural commodities, lots of in their growing, lots of things. Monocultures are not good. And a lot of meat is grown in a monoculture culture situation it's in a factory and so i think that's where i get a little bit concerned because i hate this idea of like demonizing farmers who are who are you know producing meat because if you are a regenerative farmer which goes far beyond the word sustainable and far beyond the word organic Mm -hmm. a regenerative farmer essentially means that you are 
a soil farmer. You are trying to make the soil better than how you left it. And how you do that is by having a diverse farm situation. And so the way that we raise meat totally is not sustainable. You're This is right. And I, I would say that our consumption on average is I, excessive. Yes, is excessive. Yeah. We are, you know, the United States consumes three times the global average of meat. Like we by far outstretch any other culture for the consumption of meat. That's I because mean, we glorify bacon. <laughs> I know. I know. We have a per capita average of 222 pounds annually, according to the SDA, USDA. Wow. So we're eating a, almost a, like three yeah. quarters of a pound a day. Yeah. Am I doing the math right? I know. You know me. It's almost twice as much as most of us require nutritionally. This is the point. It's it is a point where and so this is where I kind of get into a space where I know that because I am and I think that most of the people who listen to the show, we are thoughtful eaters mm-hmm. because we care about what we're eating. So we are not the people who are just going out and buying burgers and chicken nuggets and other thing every day. You know what I no, mean? No, because like we don't want to waste day. a meal. Because at the end of your life, my friends, it, there's a finite number there's of meals you get. There's a finite number of meals. <laughs> you know, I always say that. <laughs> finite number of meals. And yes. at the end of my life, I will still regret this meal at Senior Frogs that I had oh, in West Palm Beach one time and knew that it was just a waste oh. of not only $50, but also part of my part soul. Part of your time. Of your soul. Well, Lord, yeah, I have I have memories of a New York, like, with friends, and they're like, let's just pop into this place. I'm like, no, no, no. We're in New York City. We don't, we don't pop into this side cafe that's gonna have crap food. No. No, we could take, like, three-block trip and find something spectacular. And I'm like, we're not just gonna pop in. And they're all like, all right. <laughs> they're sick of me. But here, let's talk about this, the fact that, okay, so there are, okay, so vegan meat. When we talk about vegan meat, what are we talking about, right? Yeah. We're talking about Impossible Burger. We're talking about uh, uh, the Beyond Burger. And what those are, it's it's basically, um, they're talking about them uh, as a functionally identical protein. So it's not made from meat, obviously. It's made from, you know, things like carrots and or soy and pr- potato Pea protein. But the big thing that they did was they found this thing called heme which is that's the piece of the puzzle which is sort of this it's 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 it 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 lives in both animals it's a, it's a it's a molecule it lives in both animals and plants okay and it's the thing in animals that kind of gives you that that juiciness oh, or the bl- that like the meaty bl- bouncy yeah. juicy yeah yeah and um that's it's a why meaty the impossible flavor. burger yeah so this like is what they feels did. like a burger in your mouth yeah and so what they did is they basically they've learned how to ferment this to a point where it becomes like meat so it's basically it's 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 they kind of ferment it in um it's it's called myoglobin right but I mean they ferment it so that it basically gives you that idea of what it of a meat you know kind of feels like with you know there's there's people like Morningstar Farms who are using pea protein straight up pea protein in their burgers right. you know and they're actually putting out a burger that's pea protein and meat just to kind of do that whole thing of like lessening the impact but oh, not like taking we it put, away we put chopped mushrooms in yeah, our burgers exactly the mm-hmm. the blended burger project so yeah. you have to remember there's a lot of things that are like pea protein isolate canola oils all those kind of things those are when you're talking about vegan meat it's going to be made by plants but they're, they're really trying to make it something else now are they highly processed? This is another question that a lot of people have. Sounds like it to me. Because it is coming from a lab. It is something that has to be isolated. <laughs> when you say isolate, it means that it has been chemically and lab, you know, messed like with. whey protein isolate, which could right. be in your protein shake that you're drinking right now. Yeah. 
So the idea that it is processed is it is true. They are highly processed, but it's also you have to understand there's a difference between sort of that word highly processed is really tough mm-hmm. because it means a lot of things. And I think it's a it's it's again, it's demonized in a way that we all kind of now go. The natural food eaters are all like, I don't want to eat anything processed. Right. But yet even your beef is processed. You know, it has to go through a processing center to become beef. True. You know, from the cow. Right. So I think that that's one of those kind of weird things you got to kind of think about. But it is lab grown, too. So if you are a whole food naturalist, you won't want those. Yeah, it's not my jam. Right. It's not your jam. No. Now, we talk about healthy, right? We were talking a little bit about that as far as like, is it healthy? Is it not healthy? And I think it's sort of like it's on a continuum. Again, like what you were saying, what is healthy to you? You know, are you someone who like because it's not meat at all, that's your health standard. If it you're talking about saturated fats, um, you know, a four ounce beyond beef patty contains 18 grams of fat or 28 percent of the recommended daily allowance. What's the difference between that and a beef burger? It depends on what kind of beef burger you normally eat. Totally. Grass fed, different. Yeah. Type of lean, 93 percent, 80 percent. The omega threes that you get out of a beef protein is different than you get out of, you know, pea protein. Fat is flavor, my friends. And fat is flavor. Mm -hmm. There is that. So, you know, basically, a lot of people are saying it's maybe not a health food, but it's a healthier food than the others. Yeah. So and I might argue the opposite of that. I know. I know. It's I a, know. It is more it is. complicated than you think. And it so, is so complicated. It's, and now I think we're in this situation where not only do you have like you have food that just comes from the ground mm-hmm. and then you have processed food and then you have really bad for you processed food and then you have lab processed food and it's all a choice. It's all a choice. And the one last thing I'll let you know is that they are working on right now lab grown meat. Yeah, I know this is really odd. And I don't know what to feel about that because that is where they take a protein, not from plant, but they take it from an actual animal cell. And then so they create something that looks like beef, but it wasn't. It wasn't born in nature. I don't know. It, it was. There was no cows killed to produce it. So yeah, and I think you have to. You definitely have to make your own choices. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna just gonna make a statement, a blanket statement for me, which is labs don't feel great for food for me. Yeah. So lab tests, great. I like them. I will send my. I just sent my moles to a lab. <laughs> Got a call that I'm cancer free. <laughs> so that felt great. That's, That's where awesome. labs feel really good. Yeah. To me, my we're not anti science. Never anti-science. My food in a lab, you know, research Mm -hmm. to learn more about food, looking at it, having the food actually produced in the lab feels not as great to me. So there you have it. There it is. I know. Well, and and, and you and I will always go back to the fact of if you know your farmer, if you can go and relate to farms and meat and see where your food is being raised, you can go see you, you guys are lucky. We live in an area you can drive. 20 minutes and get on a pig farm and get on a cow farm and get on a dairy farm and learn about practices and learn about how they're doing what they're doing and then make your decisions that way. You totally can. You can also get a flock of chickens and produce your own eggs. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. It is soup season. Yes, it's the greatest time of year. I feel so bad that you haven't made soup yet because of your kitchen. I did make uh, one in an instant pot without even using the pressure cooker function, just the saute function. Okay. I know. What did you do? Okay, here's what I did, Steph, and I was actually quite proud of myself. This happened a couple weeks ago when it first got, you know how it got cool and then it got hot again and then it got cool? Yeah. So that first time that it got cool and I said to my husband, I was out on the porch kitchen, he was inside, the kids were, you know, puttering around, just, uh, you know, an ideal life. Everyone was happy and smiling and cuddling (laughs) and it was wonderful and there were angels. Yes, guys, it was perfect. You know, our normal home life. Right. Anyway, but I did say, I said, hey, 
do you want some broccoli cheese soup? And he was like, yes, because my husband loves soup more than anything. You know, Jay, Yeah, he is, this is one of his greatest attributes. And this will actually this make me it. forgive a lot of his faults. Right. Is that <laughs> he is a man who considers soup to be the greatest meal ever. And a lot of men are not like that. A no. lot of men are like, well, Lee has to have some, uh, you know, a piece of steak on the side or right. something like that. I think Canson's Kurt is like that. He's like, is this, this, this is, is all it? for dinner? It, is this, this is the it? appetizer? Yeah. This is it. Where Jay would have a bowl of soup. Every single day and be so happy. So even when he like does stuff that really annoys me, I just think like, oh, but he's so great about soup. So anyway, he um, (laughs) he was so excited about the soup. And here's what I did, Stefan. It's amazing that you can make a soup with only one one temperature setting. Yeah. I used the saute function on the instant pot. Okay. And that was it. And so all I did, and this is so simple, was just turn on the saute function. I chopped up carrots, onion, and celery and a bunch of garlic, Mm -hmm. stir it all together, get it all going. And then I added um, about, gosh, I don't know, a quart of chicken stock. Yep. And then I added a whole bunch of broccoli that I'd already steamed because my kids love steamed broccoli. So I had steamed buttered broccoli from the night before. Cause yeah. I had some that was like, I got to, I got to steam this or we're going to be in bad shape. So I had a huge thing of it steamed already poured it in and then just let it bubble away added a bay leaf and then some other herbs like i had some rosemary out in the little pot yeah. and some thyme you Perfect. could be you could do whatever you herbs could do you whatever. have yeah easy breezy don't do like lavender or something <laughs> i mean i don't like it when people say you can put this in everything i'm yeah. like you can't really put, you it, can in put everything. it in nothing actually. right <laughs> so i did some rosemary and some um thyme let it all simmer together. And then I took my, took the bay leaf out, let that go for like 15 minutes, put the immersion blender in, yep. blended it all with the immersion blender, and then did probably about a half a cup of heavy cream. Mm-hmm. And um, it was glorious. Wait, where did the cheese come in? Oh, the cheese came in at the end. Okay. Yeah. Because you do put it in in the end. In right? the end, yeah. But you put the heavy cream and the cheese in after you're done boiling it. Yeah. I mean, like I turned off the heat okay. and let it just live and off of the residual of, heat. And what kind of, what cheese did you use? I just did like a shreddy, melty one that okay. I had. Perfect. I mean, I get like, I buy those giant bags that I can do yeah. like quesadillas for the kiddos mm-hmm. and pizzas and all that stuff. And so it was just like a super wild, mild white cheese. I wouldn't do like an aged cheddar or something no, like that because it's not going to melt. It's going to get all gloppy. But like a Gruyere would have been really good. Oh, yeah. um, the other thing that I could have done had I had a functional kitchen was thrown a Parmesan rind in yeah. while I was actually um, just simmering it. And that is literally the basis for every soup that I do, which yeah. is just carrot, celery, onion, garlic, chicken stock. You could use veggie stock if you wanted, whatever. And then like one vegetable. So yeah. if it's mushrooms, just... Tons of mushrooms. Tons of mushrooms. Tons of broccoli. Tons of peppers. Yeah. Like whatever you want to do to just make it that one thing. You could do corn that way. Anything like that where it's just super simple. Super simple soup. Oh. Super simple soup. And that is, you know, there's some key tips like like you said, you know, in terms of like sweating the vegetables. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it always, veggies always go in first. You know what I mean? The first thing you want to do is you want to get them into a space that they're soft and they're beautiful and whatever. Um, and that's something that, you know, if you're wanting, and also if you want things later, like if you want a bigger piece of something later, then you either wait or you kind of make sure that the sizes are different. Yeah. So it's like thinking about those kind of things are is important. I made potato soup this oh, week. So good. Potato leek with lemon thyme. That's yes. kind of my jam. Oh, and I love all that. All that is is chopping up a ton of leeks. I did two giant leeks and a bunch of garlic, sweating those down with butter. 
and then adding in, you know, stock, lemon thyme, potatoes, boiling the potatoes in the stock, and then hitting that with the blender. Yeah. And then adding the cream at the end to kind of just bind it all together. Just bind it together. I'm convinced that an immersion blender is the best thing. I And I love, I yeah. mean, I love a Vitamix and I love a food processor. I am not I monkeying around with never. pouring it all in no. there and then blending hot soup no. and just like asking for a burning explosion just I, use the immersion blender because i like some texture too i don't want I do baby too. food soup i do too well and this is what happened for me with the potato soup is that i i over cooked the potato like i i they went past the port Did they get gummy i got i cut them you know into chunks to get it going sooner and then i was like oh they they're almost falling apart you know what i mean like it was already too late as soon as i hit it with the immersion i mean i kind of got a mashed potato situation yeah but so here's how i saved this so it was fine that day but i knew like i knew that tomorrow it's gonna in be the t- fridge it's gonna be a block you're gonna have to eat it with a fork yeah so how i saved it later because jake was like what can we do with this? you know like this is not it so i heated up i put a big glop into a saute pan and i added a little bit more cream to it yeah and i just stirred it around and kind of like let it melt down a little bit and then i put in a little bit extra i did this port wine cheese sauce or this this cheese sort of it was like a cheese spread almost that like was from one of the farms yum and i just put it in there and i let it kind of melt into it and it kind of you know kind of gave it a nice it kind of gave it a different texture it wasn't gummy and then um and then i put in like a bunch of uh chives in it so then it became so then it became like you know it was warm and perfect and then i hit it with a tagine on the end that was like have you know what tagine is like a spice the little yeah we're gonna talk about spices later but it's like a little chili lime spice which you wouldn't think i only know of tagine as in the cooking vessel no 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 this is t-a-g-t-a-j-i-n tagine oh and it's like a little chili lime spice that i've been putting on everything but i mean the point was like it's like okay well i need to take this like creamy luxury soup and just like give it an edge yeah and that kind of saved it too i think the key to having stuff ready to go for a soup too is always thinking about i try to do this a lot when I have an oven, which I will today. Um, but roasting a bunch of vegetables and then like, so if you do you know, even a sheet pan dinner or whatever you're, if you can just roast a bunch of sheet yeah. pans of vegetables and then having them ready to go really helps with the soup time process and it yes. makes it something that on a weeknight you can really easily do because say, so, so say Steph, you roast up a whole bunch of carrots. Yep. Like there's a recipe in the Moosewood cookbook, which, you know, I talk about every soup season. I talked about it last week for a carrot ginger soup that I love so much. So I think what makes that even better is if you do roasted carrots because you get that like caramelization Mm -hmm. and they almost taste kind of honey like and they're so delicious. So if you can roast up some sheet pans and have those cooked and in the fridge, that means then you do your carrot onion um, celery still, even your carrots too, and garlic, and then a whole bunch of ginger. Yeah. And then add the roasted carrots in and then do the stock. You end up with yeah. that same idea and you can do a soup so fast. So fast. And that's the other thing is like, think about your stock. You know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> and then don't be afraid to use your leftover soup as like a pasta sauce the yeah. next day because oh. it does get thicker. Yeah, I know. I know. If I, it's like a if it's like a carrot soup or, yeah, a, or a veggie soup. Yeah, or like a broccoli cheese soup. Like you could spoon, it could get super thick the next day. Spoon it over baked potatoes. We do. We basically end up taking this after you're done having your soup. You know, moments we usually make rice. You know what I mean? And we do a whole bunch of rice dishes. And then you make, and then I do rice. And then I put the soup kind of over to make a like a kind of a porridge. And then I put two eggs on it. This is great. Like that is the next iteration from most veggie soups that I end up. With. Oh, I love it. I, I love know it. because that's you know you kind of need to balance out and you need to kind of bring in. 
especially because I, that's the other thing about soup. Make twice your recipe and then freeze it because it, it freezes beautifully. Usually. Yes, it totally does. I mean, my God. Yeah. And I, I think I'm going to share my most coveted soup recipe with you. I have it in an email ready to send to you. Okay. Do you feel good about this? I think you should send it. This is my late mother-in-law's tortilla soup recipe. Yeah. Her name was Rosalind Reimers. Mm-hmm. And um, Roz made the most amazing tortilla soup. And this was like the thing that my husband just misses. I mean, he misses so much. And when he eats it, he feels connected to her. And that makes me so happy. And also it makes me happy that it's the best soup ever. And um, I do recommend that you go to get special. You get the sopa, so the Mexican rice and the cooked chicken and red sauce from El Burrito Mercado. Oh, good. That's what I use as an ingredient in it. But I will send you the recipe and you guys can post away. Yeah, I'm going to post it up, you guys. And then we are going to all have so much good soup that it's going to be like, it's going to basically carry you through any bad times. Yeah, that's so true. (laughs) How I feel about soup. And you can always eat so much and feel so good. Oh, God, I love it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. This is the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. So feel free to give us a call, 651 Six four one one zero seven one. You can send us an email. You can, you know, reach out on the Twitters. All that kind of fun stuff. I'll check. I'll start checking the tweets. I've yeah. been really lazy on Twitter as of late. Have you FYI. really? Oh, I've have like, you backed out of it? I've just kind of fallen off the Twitter wagon. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I like being. I like being on other forms of social media. Okay, here's a question on email. And sometimes we get these in time. Sometimes we don't, you guys. So, but thank you for sending them. Um, from Christine, she says, carbonara. Just wondering what recipe Elizabeth uses for Ooh, her spaghetti carbonara. That is really a great question. Yeah. So, the closest one that I use is Tyler Florence's Ultimate Carbonara. So, Tyler Florence came out with this Ultimate cookbook. He had an Ultimate oh, yeah. show. And so that's definitely, um, if you want, I need to like actually just write up my exact recipe, but his is the closest. The thing that I do differently is I don't think that he uses heavy cream and I do use a little bit of heavy cream. That's controversial with carbonara. Some people will say that carbonara, which is essentially just pasta with bacon and eggs. Yeah. That the it, egg is supposed to be the, cr- that the, the, the egg is the creamy part. sauce. I like just like a tablespoon, maybe a tablespoon and a half of a little bit of heavy cream, just because I think heavy cream makes so many things in this world better. Yeah. Like coffee. <laughs> Like everything. Yeah, I Um, mean, right. So his recipe is really the one that I would say I go off of the most is his. Um, Um, And I also don't use garlic. Oh, you don't? He uses garlic. I don't. I just do the bacon and the eggs. And it wasn't, I don't think it's because I don't like the garlic. I think it's just that's how I was making it. And then that's just how we've really grown to love it. And I love a lot of parsley and a lot of pepper on it. Yeah. And it's really Slab bacon. Pancetta. Do you use what? Do you just use regular bacon? I use thick cut bacon. Thick cut bacon. Yeah, I use thick cut bacon if I can get like, um, you know, what oh, I forget, like Prairie Pride, I think, yep. or um, Pastures of Plenty. Any of those are really good. Thick cut, really good bacon. Um, but the deal is basically to toss the hot pasta into the cheese, right? The cheese, and the, the egg. eggs, and then I use the cream. And you do a little bit at the very end. And the bacon. Okay. Um, yeah, so what I do is I take a like a glass bowl. Yeah. And then I just kind of set it to the side. Um, I crack the eggs into it. I add the cream. And then I add about a cup of finely grated Parmigiano Reggiano. Yeah, I know. Yep. And then I mix that together with Mm -hmm. a fork. I just kind of whisk it together. I cook the pasta. Uh And then I cook the bacon separately. And then I sort of very slowly pour the bacon and the bacon fat. And I use the bacon fat. You do? Yeah. I don't strain it out. I think bacon fat's great. So I pour it in. 
very slowly into the eggs and the cream mixture, whisking the whole time so that you're not scrambling the eggs. Yep. And then I add the hot pasta to the whole thing, toss Toss quickly, put a plate on top of the glass bowl, let it sit for about five, six minutes, pop it off, and then parsley and eat. Done. And my children crush it. Go nutty. They crush it. It's like, I mean, it's better than mac and cheese. I know. And it's... Bacon. So good. So <laughs> Tyler Florence's ultimate is a safe bet. Again, I add cream and omit garlic, but you should do what makes your heart sing. Right. Okay. Again, 651-641-1071. If you have questions or anything you want to ask today, um, I will tell you that uh, I wanted to ask you a question about how you feel about this new Kit Kat that I saw. <laughs> what is it? Because we're not junk foodists, but yet there's things, right? There's little things that you... Yeah, I tried the Cheez-It pizza from Pizza Hut. I mean, I I'm not a junk foodist. I would never do it, but I try it but for I the good of the people allowing, on TV. But I think You know, like there's little bits of things, right? That you kind of like, every once in a while, I feel like you get to have... You know, kind yeah. of allowances, I guess, is what I think. Like, yeah. if you eat really well, that kind of gives you that pass to then grab your... And also, you can just do it whenever you want. I do I'm love not- a Kit Kat, but what I love even better than a Kit Kat is a Kvik lunch. Oh. Kvik lunch is essentially a Kit Kat from Norway that puts Kit Kat to shame. Really? And I learned about this before I went to Norway in April, and... um People at Ingebrigtsen's, which is right on Lake Street Perfect. in Minneapolis, which is the, you know, it's like the Scandinavian Mecca. Mm-hmm. They have the most amazing people there who will tell you what to get. And the guy there was like, this is way better than a Kit If you like a Kit Kat, you're going to like this a hundred times better. And yeah, it's like $4, $5. Maybe it's five. I don't know, people. It's worth it. I would, but that's the thing. It's like imported candy for sure. I would actually pay more for it because I know it's not. I bought a ton of them when I was in Norway. Yeah. And then you can buy them at Ingebrigtsen's. It's called Kvicklanch. Kvicklanch. Okay. <laughs> well, there's a Kit Kat that they are testing in England this uh, this Christmas season. And it is uh, basically a $17 Kit Kat. Whoa. I know. That makes my Kvicklanch seem very seem cheap. really cheap, right? So it's 17 bucks, but it's custom. And so you can get like whiskey and ginger or you could get uh, cherry and Earl Grey. Like they fill the little things for you custom. Isn't that kind of cool? Wow. I don't know. I kind of love it. I have the idea that I would totally be like, no. And then I would get it. Oh, I would get it. It looks beautiful. I know. It's gorgeous. I would be a sucker for a $17 candy bar. We do have a couple phone calls. Oh, let's do it. Okay. So I think we have Malia on the line with the immersion blender question. What's going on, lady? Oh, hi, guys. Um, I was wondering, I heard um, Elizabeth mention an immersion blender, and I was laughing because I struggled, you know, trying to bring the hot soup into the blender. Yeah, Do you just recommend one? I, I mean, I think I have a Cuisinart one that's just like a white one, and it's corded. I would say if you can get one, if you want to spend a little bit more and get one that's cordless, it's probably kind of nice just yeah. because you don't have to do the whole... You know, I always have to manage the cord and hold it up. Got it. Um, sure. And and then I would probably, I think I would like if mine had a little more power. So mine was probably thirty bucks, and that's oh, okay. very inexpensive. I would maybe bump up to one that's maybe fifty or sixty if you can swing it to get one that is cordless and a, and will have a little bit more oomph than yeah. mine has. But yeah. Cuisinart makes great ones. Yeah, mine is a wearing, actually. Oh, great, like the, the Blender, Blender company. company. Yeah. But mine is a little bit more industrial. I think mine was around 40 bucks. It is corded, but that cord is extra long. Yeah. And then it also has a lot of power because of that cord. Because of the cord. Yeah, so yeah. I think because batteries tend to go... Wah. 
But I mean, that's the thing. So those are, but yeah, I would get, I would get a heavier duty one. Like I would, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of ones like at Target for like 19 bucks that are kind of plasticky that don't, I feel like you put this thing through a lot of motions. And you want it to feel good in your hand. That's the other thing I don't love about mine. It's not that like ergonomically friendly, which sounds kind of stupid, but you do blend for a while. So, you know, another place where I'd recommend you going is the new Bed Bath & Beyond concept store in Bloomington. They have this like amazing appliance area where they have all the appliances out and you can try them. You can look at them. They have like their small appliance section is the best small appliance section. It's the only um, it's the Bed Bath & Beyond in Bloomington, though. That's the one you have to go to. Okay, have fun. Good luck, Malia. Thank Thank you. you. All right. We have David on the line. David, you have a comment about the pasta carbonara? David, are you there? I'm here. Oh, what do you got? What's up today? Hi, hi, girls. Hey, Elizabeth, this is David. You cook tacos for me at Inspiration Design Center. Oh, yeah. Hi, David. <laughs> How are you? Anyway, I was call- I, I'm good. I was just calling to shame you for putting cream in your carbonara. Listen, I'll take that shame. I'll take that shame, and I'll feel it while I'm eating my carbonara, David. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hardly use recipes, but my the way I learned to make carbonara was Lydia Bastianich. Oh, yes. always good. Always good. Always good. Yes, her recipe. It's um, and easy. Yeah, her recipe, her bolognese recipe, I live and die by. It's really good. Okay, David, we'll agree to disagree on carbonara, carbonara but we'll still be happy together. <laughs> Thanks, David. Thanks, bud. All right, you guys, we have two more questions. We're going to hold you on the line, you guys. Kate and Kim, just hold on. We're going to get to you after the break. Because we just we just we want to give you the time. So we'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish. Stick around for the second hour. Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait. What rewards? A do operator skin. Man, I love operator skins. Dual double XP and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.